so Kate six months in to being co-host on the fertility podcast what does it mean to you well I love it <laughs> I love having my cans on not that I've got my can we've got we're sharing it head- no we've got a really high-tech setup right now <laughs> we're we're enjoying the heated floor of Kate's kitchen yeah with I'm a microphone on my lap <laughs> I love normal podcast setup, it's improv. I love the dog chewing her toenails. I'm loving it, I'm learning. I think that's what I'm really enjoying is to have the ability to do something new, which doesn't come around very often, does it? And to learn. And I don't know whether I'm learning and improving, but I'm definitely hoping to be start improving soon. I'm definitely learning and learning how to, I suppose, ask questions. Interviewing is the hardest thing. I, I never thought it was this hard. Because the amount of brain power it uses and and how exhausted we are. You know what it's like when we've spent the day interviewing. And for me, because I'm trying to ask a question, trying to listen to the response, and that's what I find hardest. It's easy enough to ask the question, but listening to the response is the hardest part because I'm already thinking about the next question. So that's been interesting. If people have just started listening for the first time and are hearing you, how would you best explain who you are? How would I best explain? How would you best describe who you are? Okay, well... I'm a fertility nurse consultant and I have worked in the field of fertility, contraceptive health, women's health, sexual health for over 20 years. In fact, next year will be 30 years since I started my nurse training. You don't look that old. I know. Shush. She started at five. <laughs> Playing doctors I did, and nurses. I did start quite young. But anyway, so we're having a big reunion in London next year. So looking forward to that. So yes, yeah, so I've been doing this for way too long, but only doing what I do now with my private practice, Your Fertility Journey, for the last six years. So both you and I were pretty much the first on the scene, weren't we? That we that we knew of. Yeah, well, there wasn't very many other people around at the yeah. time. The community that is the trying to conceive community is so different now to how it was then. Yeah, it's a crazy world. And we're now making the podcast together to give you a little bit of a different take, a kind of patient and an expert united to try and pick out different topics that need to be discussed and the light shed on different things and hopefully share more of your voices here on the Fertility Podcast. I wanted to share that little bit of chat between Kate and I when we were together the other week because Kate's not present for this chat, which is something I recorded at the Fertility Show a few weeks ago. A conversation with Veronique Berman, who is the scientific advisor at HANA, which is a Jewish infertility support charity, as this is the first in a series of episodes looking at fertility and faith and the different issues that we have to deal with, especially if we believe. And Veronique and I spoke only for a brief period of time because I didn't have long between the different sessions I was doing on the Let's Talk Fertility stage, but I had a few questions I wanted to ask her. I will be asking more and I urge you, if you are religious or even if you're partially observant or if you're totally not, um, but this whole issue of belief and how it's affecting your TTC journey is something you'd like to talk more about. I'd love to speak more with you, so do email us, info at thefertilitypodcast.com because we've got more conversations to share with you in the new year and so what I did was I had a quick catch up with Veronique and then when Kate and I were together the other week I got her to give her thoughts on what was discussed so you'll hear Kate at the end of this episode before we get on with the show though here's a little note from one of my sponsors did you know that by removing toxins and fertility damaging chemicals from your daily products improving your diet and taking the right supplements 
appointments, you can improve your chances of conception and having a healthy pregnancy. Fertilibox.co.uk is the first health, beauty and lifestyle shop for people trying to conceive, where every product has been tested and endorsed by a team of experts and it's entirely safe to use. Subscribe now and get 20% off everything, including subscriptions, with the code FERTILITYPODDY20. Hi, I'm Veronica Berman. I'm the scientific advisor at the charity FANA. Just talk a bit about who HANA works with and who it provides support for. Sure. So HANA is um, the leading Jewish support charity uh, within the Jewish community here in London, but we're really nationwide and international. And we support couples who are dealing with all aspects of reproductive health, from primary infertility, secondary infertility, miscarriage, loss, um, couples who either know of or um, suspect a genetic um, issue and therefore they're going to have to have PGD. Um, individuals who have had a cancer diagnosis who want to preserve their fertility. So it's really quite a broad brush. It's reproductive health uh, within the Jewish community um, and we're looking at really supporting couples in various different ways. We have a telephone helpline which is staffed several hours of the day by a professional therapist or counsellor. Um, we have our website, so a lot of people come to us through our website, and we um, have a team of therapists who people are then able to come in and see either as couples or as individuals, and uh, we provide scientific advice, which that's really my role, um, and we also um, help couples with information, we liaise with their clinics and um, help them through the journey, really from start all the way through, and sometimes beyond once they've had their babies as well. Um, to help them to navigate what can really be often quite a complex journey. And the couples who come to us will be um, Jewish, members of the Jewish community, um, either married under the auspices of the chief rabbi's office or an equivalent. And um, really across the board, um, they often come to us independently. Sometimes they'll be referred by a friend or their rabbi or they've seen a webinar or they've seen a poster or they've come to a December event, which is um, coming up quite soon in the month of December, which is really our awareness raising where people will come along and have a cup of tea, maybe a piece of cake if they're lucky. Either I'm sure it's cake. There's plenty of cake, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the question is what kind of cake? Um, either at friends, family, workplace, their synagogue, their um, schools all sorts of different places and the idea is to raise awareness of what services we're offering, how people can access them and of course to help us with financial support because we are an independent charity, we're supported by the community, we don't get any government funding or anything like that so uh, we're always very grateful for the generosity of the community. How are we as a community talking about infertility because we know from the really religious um, parts of our community that we often have big families and so then the stigma comes That's when right. people aren't able and I'm, I'm interested in we aren't obviously as a, as a people we are pro-life because we of our really are we really are we're very pro-life we're very pro-family we're very much focused on the family and that's really what we at Hana are so acutely acutely aware of the pain that the couples who are struggling and it's the couples who are struggling to start their families it's the couples who have been blessed with a child but want to expand their family or very tragically those that have suffered loss um, I think things have definitely changed but there's room for very much more change we are very much aware of the fact that the, the issues that the couples deal with they're the same issues wherever the couple comes from, whether they're Jewish or any other religion or any other lifestyle. 
What I think is very, very much more difficult is the emphasis on the family. So there's the family gathering for the festivals and there's the family celebrations and there's... And I think for some couples, they are becoming more open about what they're dealing with and they are more comfortable with talking about their situations. But the majority of couples, I would say not. And I think that uh, very often family members try really hard to support and don't necessarily know the best way to support. And so in those situations, I would say to those family members, come to Hana. Hana will give you advice on how best to support your family member or your friend. And I think that we have taken many steps to try to make the subject matter more accessible. So, for example, with webinars, podcasts, information that people can access in the privacy of their own home. They can access the information as a couple. They're not going to be seen by whoever they're worried about being seen by, by coming to a public event. Um, even picking up a leaflet for some people, they're worried, will someone see them picking up a leaflet? Um, they're worried about when they go to fertility clinics, bumping into people. We can help couples who are worried about that. We can liaise with their clinic and explain to the clinic. And a lot of the clinics are very, very sensitive to those requirements. Um, and again, for example, the T-Sembra program is an opportunity where it's open to the whole community. It doesn't matter what your issue is. So I think we ask couples to look at the different ways they can reach us, but we ask other people to be sensitive to their friend, their family, whoever it is that they think they're supporting, to look at how the couple are responding. If they're talking about it, then they're going to be comfortable to talk to their friend. If they're not, then maybe approaching them directly isn't really the best way forward because you could be making matters worse for them. So to go back to your original question, as a community, how are we? I think we're improving, but I think we've got a way to go yet. And the more information we can make accessible, um, maybe in the most comfortable ways, the better we'll be. And in terms of going through treatments, and especially if you're more religious, and there being concerns about the procedures, and that's where Hannah can provide support that's right. within the consultations, and that's there can right. be the medical witnessing, and Absolutely. that sort of thing. That's right. So a lot of the clinics in London I will have met with myself, or a member of the Hannah team will have met with, to make the clinics aware of what the religious requirements are. So for example, when a woman says she's really, really reluctant to come in on a Saturday and have her egg collection, or um, there's concerns about the production of the sperm sample, or there's concerns about procedures in the clinics, the majority of the large clinics will have a better understanding. And to be fair to the clinics, I think they all really do try to make the journey as easy as it can be for the couples and they tend to be quite understanding but certainly if um, couples want to have um, an advocate or they want to have a member of the Hana team to support them through the clinic journey there will be someone available for them. And obviously we're talking about London but people are listening elsewhere in the of UK. Course. So we have contacts in Manchester, we've had contacts in Leeds. Most recently we were asked for a contact in Cambridge. So we can certainly do our very best to help people. Very often people are not sure about what they need and by having the possibility of talking to someone from Hana that can reassure them. We run programs for rabbis where we bring rabbis in and train them on the most recent treatments and the most recent developments within the fertility 
city areas. So that when people go and talk to their rabbi, they will have the reassurance that the rabbi knows what they're talking about, that they're talking the same language, which can be very reassuring. And, and very often the rabbis can be quite helpful and supportive as well. Um, it's about having the knowledge and the understanding. Um, we, we've supported couples, Gibraltar, South Africa, all over the place. And fortunately, because we're good at talking as a community, we can often find people in other places to help as well. Now, what about men and men talking about this as an issue? And uh, all different denominations of, yeah. of observation, because um, I, I've, I've had some conversations about with the more observant, um, it's just not it's just spoken about. I think you're absolutely right. And we have worked very hard at Khana to try and get the message out there that approximately 30% of infertility is male factor. And there are some fantastic doctors out there and fantastic treatments, but the support is there. You know, we have male support workers at Hana as we do female support workers. Um, the difficulty of getting men to talk about what they are experiencing or what they have experienced, I think is a real challenge. We launched a book last month called Unexpected, and in that book we have 40 recollections of different people's um, experiences of adversity. Half of those are infertility, and interestingly, we had a couple of males who were very happy to write their story and publish it in a book Anonymous. where... Actually, they put their names to it, interestingly. Some of the, the stories are anonymous and some of them are actually um, signed by the individuals who have written the stories. Um, so I think one of the things that we're learning is the way that the messaging is put across may have an influence on getting people to actually share their stories. But I would agree with you, there are very few who are going to stand up and talk about what they're dealing with. Um, there are even fewer who will share their concerns and their worries. But that's where having the helpline that is anonymous, having the, the fact that we have a website people can come in and ask their questions without revealing who they are. Um, we're constantly trying to make the access points as, as open as possible. Um, interestingly, we ran a webinar last year on male factor infertility and we were bowled over by the response. Mm. So again, I think it, it goes back to trying to get people to access the information in the most comfortable way for them. But I think the talking's down to the women in, in most of the cases. And I think you find that with a lot of subject areas, yeah. but especially things that are more delicate. I mean, I know in the, I've, I've got a number of episodes now with men sharing their stories and male experts, and they always have such amazing response, whether it's a woman passing it on to her other half. Yeah. On the, on the topic of fertility education, sadly, often, and, unless you do start trying, women don't even really know their cycle. No. And when it comes to how we understand our cycles and the difference and observances within our faith mm -hmm. around our cycles, and especially when we're trying to time it with ovulation, what kind of conversations are you hearing or, or stresses maybe women are putting on themselves about trying to have a family, trying to time it within yeah. their cycles, trying to be observant of different micro practices. So I think, that I think that's a very good question and I think that there's been quite an evolution on that level because we are obviously very aware of the fact that for women who have a very bog standard cycle, they'll get to the mikvah, that's the ritual bath, in time before their ovulation because they won't have been with their husbands until they've been to the mikvah, to the, they've done their immersion in the ritual bath and then that's fine. But there are plenty of women 
who don't even know when they're ovulating because they've never really thought about it or really tracked it. There are lots of ways that women can track their ovulation. And I think that's something that we're making people more aware of the fact that you do actually need to think about it. It leads me to something that we're also seeing quite a lot of, which is not directly relevant to mikvah and, and couples being together at the right time in relation to the religious observance, but just in general, that we would ask the question of the couple, is your cycle regular? Do you know when you're ovulating? For the couples that are going to be concerned about getting to the mikvah at the right time, to the ritual bath at the right time in relation to their ovulation, so their timing, their intimacy appropriately. The number of couples that are missing that, and it may have nothing to do with the mikvah, it's just life, and it's just actually being aware of the fact that there is that small window. And I think that's a message that we're working quite hard to get across. The timing is really relevant and it's really important in the bigger context, not just obviously the ritual bath, but also just the bigger context of a relationship where you are trying to conceive a child. For a number of years now, we've been doing training programs for the teachers who are teaching brides. So there are many brides who take lessons pre-marriage classes that encompass lots of different areas of Jewish law and included in that are the Jewish laws related to the mikvah, to the ritual bath, to the laws of marriage and intimacy. And we are encouraging these teachers very strongly to teach the cycle that the women understand exactly when the most fertile part of their cycle is so that they have a really clear understanding of the relevance of the timing of intimacy. So I hope that answers your question, but I think it's actually part of a much bigger question. And we do see couples coming back to us and saying, oh, the clinics have asked us about frequency of intimacy and the timing of intimacy. And often they're not necessarily thinking about the relevance of that until they get to the point where they're trying desperately to conceive. It was just something that I've been speaking about with somebody more recently that I hadn't even taken into consideration. I mean, a lot of experts say to me couples aren't having sex enough anymore. And then if you're adding in trying to time it around ovulation, then if you're adding in yeah. the ritual bathing, it's become, become so complicated. Yeah. So getting guidance and support when yeah. you've got these concerns yes. and Absolutely. you're trying to do everything right. Yeah. And, just, and we talk about not being stressed when you're trying to conceive and it's just... It doesn't do much for the stress levels, that's absolutely right. But I think that's where knowledge is key, because for a couple who really do understand their cycle and do understand the timing and do understand what they need to do and when, that probably removes some of the stress rather than adding to it. And that's the hope, that you know the information is removing some of the stress rather than adding to it. I was trying to explain to Kate about some of the religious practices in terms of what I've been discussing in this kind of interview with Veronique and I didn't do very well at uh, explaining the mikvah and the ritual bathing so I had to play you that part of um, the conversation to see what you thought because one of the things that I think it's really important to try and get your head around is we're talking about education, but just the irregularity when it comes to what that conversation was about monitoring of the cycles in terms yeah. of trying to be observant in your faith. What did yeah. you think of what you heard? Well, fascinating. And whilst, you know, so important, obviously, to respect religious practices and also how that can make life a little bit more tricky, I guess, when it comes to trying to conceive because a woman needs to bathe in the mikvah seven days after a period is finished yeah so if a woman has a 
a regular cycle and I think we definitely need to get away from this talk about ovulation occurring on day 14 because honestly I mean I look at 100 cycles a month at least and I rarely see a woman that ovulates on day 14 and equally I rarely see a woman that ovulates every month on day 14 so it might move around quite a bit. So therefore if we know that the five days prior to ovulation and the day of ovulation is your most fertile time, if a woman is unable to bathe in the mikvah until seven days after her period is finished and then she can have sex then potentially she's missing at least a good percentage of the fertile time if not all of the fertile time because she may well ovulate much earlier than the cycle than she thinks so what could be done as is mentioned i think is that you can clearly track your cycles to really become aware of your ovulation and i don't mean tracking your cycles using a calendar app because that literally is just using the presumption that your cycle might be 28 days or 30 days or whatever and that you will ovulate mid-cycle. But we know that's incorrect. So you'd need to use some other ways of tracking, whether you're using basal body temperature and recording cervical mucus, or whether you choose to use a temperature-based accurate fertility monitor, or you might choose to use luteinizing hormone sticks, APKs, just to, to try and get that idea of when the fertile time is. My preference, I think, is using your natural fertility indicators, your temperature and your cervical mucus, because those two together give you really accurate indication of your fertile time. Interesting stuff, thank you. See, the brilliant thing about having a fertility nurse as your co-host is you can just throw questions at her, which we like to do. I gave you the email at the start of this episode. If you've got a question you want to ask us, please email info at thefertilitypodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. For now, though, do rate, review and subscribe and share this podcast, however you get it. There's only a couple more weeks left before Christmas. We're going to be talking about helping you get through this period of time, if it's not your favourite. And also what we've got planned for the new year, which is very exciting. Make sure you follow us on our socials. I'm at Fertility Poddy on Insta and Twitter. And Kate is Your Fertility Journey on Instagram and Fert Journey on Twitter. There's also the closed Facebook group that I have called Talk Fertility. And love you to come and continue the conversation. There's some really exciting stuff planned for 2020. Thank you as always for your support. And until the next time.